Welcome to the Recharge Your Life podcast with me, Dr. Carrie Ulrich and Kelly Gunther. We are thrilled to talk to people who have made a decision that recharged their lives. Often, they pushed themselves out of their comfort zone and took risks. We want to know about that decision point, why did they make that decision, and most importantly, how can we learn from them? Kelly and I are passionate HR professionals, and together we co-founded our HR consulting firm, Abracci Group. We have talked to amazing people throughout our careers and listened to them as they made decisions that changed their lives and knew that these inspirational stories would help others. And why did we call it Recharge? It's based on a book I co-authored called The Way of the HR Warrior. And in it, we have a leadership model, CHARGE, which stands for courage, humility, accuracy, resiliency, goal-oriented, and exemplary. We know that people used one or more of these qualities to help them make their decisions, and we want to learn from them. Now, sit back, listen, and be inspired by these stories, and then do something to recharge your life. Let's get to it. Hi, everyone. It's Kelly. We're so honored to have John Hagen out as our special guest. With over 25 years of human resources and talent acquisition leadership experience across both industry-leading recruiting agencies and corporate environments, including GE and Miller Coors, the opportunity to build lasting relationships has always been the aspect of John's career that he's enjoyed the most. A degreed HR professional, he went to the University of Wisconsin-Whitewater, go Warhawks, John quickly realized how much he enjoyed recruiting, the people, the process, and the impact that hiring talented individuals has. There's nothing else he'd rather be doing. Unless that is, the Milwaukee Brewers finally call and make him an offer to play professional baseball. John is a family-oriented individual. He has two young boys and an incredible wife who always find ways to both motivate and humor him. He's an avid sports enthusiast who likely quotes 80s and 90s movies too much and is a big believer in work hard, play hard, and of course, a good Wisconsin fish fry. So John, we always like to start our podcast by asking, what show, podcast, book, or blog do you go to when you want to push yourself and expand your thinking? Well, thank you so much for the introduction, Kelly. It's uh, a lot to live up to. I appreciate it. So for me, the the one book is obviously The Way of the HR Warrior, but beyond that, it's uh, probably a little industry-specific, but High Tech, High Touch Recruiting by Barb Bruno is one of which that I really gravitate towards. And the reason being from a a corporate HR perspective and now owning an executive search firm, you realize just how critically important that candidate experience is to both attract and retain talent. A lot of things that I, I hear from executives, CHROs, VPs of HR, especially now in 2020, the craziness of the pandemic is that they're experiencing, as some of them have been impacted, they're now experiencing what things are like on the other side of the table. As candidates, they're going through these processes from a candidate lens, a candidate perspective, and they're seeing just how critically important it is to that entire process. Now, when they get into those next leadership opportunities, they want to make sure that they're going to be able to bring change, to execute change, to really have that white glove type of scenario to allow candidates to experience the best of their organization. Hi, John. I'm so happy you're with us today. And not only, there's a few reasons before we even get to the to what your book was that you want to talk about it. Number one, wow, you're the first person to shout out HR Warrior book. Little disappointing <laughs> though that like no one else has done that, Kelly. What the heck? Right? They should 
whatever. So John, special. <laughs> number one, number one. Number Everybody one. assumes it's number one all the time. Right. Oh, okay. Well, that's true. That's, you know what, John, I, I'm going to say that everyone was like, well, of course that's so obvious. Why would I say it? But thank you, John. Uh, I love your, your bio was so much fun about the Milwaukee Brewers. Uh, you and my son would love that phone call. So both of you can go to the Brewers and what a lovely husband you are to shout out your great wife as well. So I just have to say that's some class act in your bio right there. So make sure your wife at least hears the first part of this, John, to get you some really good. The rest, maybe she won't listen to because she doesn't care. I don't know. But at least the first part. <laughs> at least the first Whatever part. Whatever gets right? me a few brownie points. You can never yeah. have enough of those. Come on now. It's, it's just, I'm just saying, you're like in public forums, darling, I say how great you are. And I, I uh, so thank you for saying that. And I will say for listeners, John Hagenau has a great radio voice. And we have said this to him numerous times because we've worked with him before. And so thank you for that. You're setting the bar with the radio voice uh, for this podcast. I don't know. Other people are going to have to really strive now, the HR Warrior book and and your voice. But I wanted to get to the book, the recruiter book and, and the candidate experience because I do, that is so important. You and I have talked about this for so long. John and I worked together in a previous life and, and it's all about the candidate experience. We were talking about it then. And what I, what I like that you said is the empathy is growing, expanding with people saying, oh, I'm on the other side of the table. This candidate experience is really important. And I'm, I'm hoping through COVID, through the craziness, as you called it, uh, that empathy does, we've been losing quite a bit of empathy that I'm hoping some empathy, especially at work will grow and sustain and not just go away next year when it goes quote unquote back to normal. So thank you for that book. I, I really appreciate that. Thank you, John. You bet. And I think that there's a silver lining to the craziness of 2020. It's that can be one that's taken away from it is that those HR executives that might have had a blind eye towards things like candidate experience and even more specific into things like employment brand, which are so critical, the culture of the organization to really attracting and retaining their employees, their talent. Uh, hopefully that serves as a little bit of a silver lining. And it is something that I'm hearing uh, with repetition now. So as those executives go through the process on the other side of the desk and get back into that leadership capacity. I'm, I'm hopeful we'll see change in 2021 and beyond. Yes, I, I, I really appreciate that you bringing the, the data as well. It's, it's been my hope. And then for you to say, hey, I've been hearing it from people and let's, uh, let's hope it continues, it sustains. And you're right, what is the silver lining? Uh, you always, there's always crises and there's always situations. And so how can you manage that, but then also learn from it and grow? So thank you, John, for starting us off in such a great way. What now, the big question, is what is the decision that changed the trajectory of your life? And what are those charge qualities that you use to help you make that decision? Boy, and that's a, it's a great question, Carrie. So to that extent, I would say that our lives in, in general, right, not to get too philosophical, but it's a series of, of real decisions and how you're going to make those decisions both personally, professionally, what impact they're going to have. And for me, I can think of a, of a couple immediately. Uh, number one, going back to uh, your son in the baseball reference, I realized in high school when I looked around on the baseball team that my career as a major league ball player was never going to happen. Uh, so that was probably 
one decision that I made to go to school and go to an academic-focused school uh, as opposed to one that would get me nowhere, uh, not even onto the team playing baseball. Um, but beyond that, I would say uh, earlier in my career, I made the decision to go into corporate America and specifically pursued GE Healthcare. And at that point, 15, 20 years ago, GE was commonly regarded as being one of the performance management leaders uh, globally. And from my thought as an HR professional, I wanted to go into that environment. I wanted to learn from the best. I wanted to see and experience the best. And candidly, I wanted to push myself to be a top performer within that environment. Uh, Being able to achieve those things really set the foundation uh, for really much of the rest of my career. Uh, But really, I would say, candidly, the biggest decision that I made was leaving corporate America and leaving at that point in time uh, a great corporate career to pursue opening up a staffing firm. And in my career, I had worked with so many search firms, both retained and contingent, and over the course of time, probably spent way too much money out of my budget annually on search firms. And so few of them really valued the partnership. So few of them understood the the culture of the organization, why it was that we were looking for that respective candidate, that profile And for me, uh, the charge quality had to be courage because I left in the middle of a recession in 2008 to start a staffing firm when most companies were going through reductions in force. Uh, So obviously there was a lot of courage and probably, uh, you know, a little bit of other words, craziness maybe to ultimately make that decision. But here we are 12 years later. I think that if you're going to make a decision and use a charge quality to really help you shape your life and shape your professional career, shape your personal life. Uh, boy, I think that courage isn't a bad one to start with, right? I, I, I think with courage too, John, and we've had other people say this, there's an element of, you said craziness, stupidity. Uh, <laughs> oh, wait, I never said stupidity. I, wait, I put it out there. I just said other people said it, John. I've heard from other people, but it's that... It's so, to the point of you. You sometimes look back. You're like, that was ridiculous. I can't even believe I did that. Like, like you just said, 2008, Levy. If you if you were counseling your one of your children, and they said, Hey, Dad, I think I'm gonna leave. It's a recession. It's really bad. I'm gonna start my own business. I'm I, I'm not sure. Would you say like absolutely? That's a great idea. I would probably prep the spot in the basement for them to move back in six months down the road. Right. <laughs> so with courage, there is this element. And I, I mean, it's naivete, stupidity, craziness, whatever, but there's this balance. But if we, before we talk more about you starting your own business, let's talk, you, you mentioned baseball and realizing I'm not going to, I'm not going to make it. I'm not going to be a, a brewer. Uh, and then you also said, I want to go to GE and push myself and I want to learn from the best. And to me, John, there's such humility in that. You Not only did you know yourself well enough to say, listen, I'm not going to be a major leaguer. I got to like redo it because you didn't have to. You could have said, I'm really going to be one and kept trying and trying and trying. Uh, and then for you to say, I want to learn from the best is it very, especially when we talk about humility in the book it's saying I'm not the smartest person in the room and I want to learn from others. So where does that deep humility come from, John? Because that's, that's just, um, how did you, yeah, just how did you get that? How did you, did you know as a, a younger child that you had this or, and where does it come from, John? You know, to that extent, I think that's 
maybe a personality profile. And if you look at a lot of the assessments over the course of my career, um, maybe that's where that craziness really comes into play. But I think that for me per, personally, it's always been that competitive dynamic, that competitive nature. And I'd argue that a lot of individuals within HR probably have a lot of that quiet competitiveness. And a lot of them that I know have been in, in some type of, and it's not that, that it has to be sport, right? But many of them have been swimmers, competitive swimmers, or have been in band and you wanted to be the first chair in whatever your instrument of choice was in band. You have that competitive spirit, that that drive where you want to, to be excellent, but you also realize to be excellent, you've got a lot of learning to do. You have to have that humility. You have to be able to ask questions, not afraid to admit your mistakes. That humility is ultimately going to equal credibility, right? So once you get into that environment, even though you can be competitive, you be a sponge, you, you learn and you're able to grow from those around you and obviously those leaders that give you that opportunity. And I think to what you said, I love that balance because that competitiveness sometimes doesn't allow you to be humble because you want to be the best and you want to show that you're the best. And so to have that balance of, I want to be super competitive, but I also am going to be open to learning and saying, I don't know things. That's kind of a a difficult balance for many people to do. There's no doubt. And I think that's where you need to stop and and ask some of those questions. We're Mm -hmm. going back to uh, the way of the HR warrior, humility, not afraid to ask questions, not afraid Mm -hmm. to admit mistakes, right? So you can be competitive. And if somebody says, hey, go through that wall, you can put your head down and just run right into that wall. Or you can ask questions and somebody could hand you a hammer and help you remove the drywall to get through the wall. So at being able to reference, learn from others, ask questions, uh, you can still be competitive and still want to win. But obviously, uh, being humble and knowing that you're not always going to have that perfect answer. You, you sure don't. And we've been talking a lot with people about asking for help relying on others. It's not all just, you don't have to do everything yourself at all times. And it's really, it's a hard lesson for many people to get. So let me ask you from GE. So you wanted to go to the best. What are, I don't know, top, maybe a couple of things, John, that you learned at GE that you continue to this day? Like, man, I'm so glad I went there because I learned these things and I got to push myself and become even better at what I do. Goal orientation, first and foremost, being in performance management culture at that point mm-hmm. in time was the Jack Welch theory was still prevalent. And so many of your listeners obviously know what that theory is and you would bring in talent. And if you have 10% exit annually, well, hopefully that's going to be the bottom 10% of performers. Mm-hmm. And then you infuse in the next 10%. But every year you had clearly defined articulated goals annually, quarterly, monthly, weekly, daily. And, you know, from a a competitive perspective, when you have those laid out and you have those captured, you want to make sure that you're not just meeting those goals, but you're exceeding those goals. And uh, whether that's just for your own personal, professional fulfillment or to uh, whatever that motivation could be, it could be a W-2, it could be the next rung on the corporate ladder, that next big title. Uh, For me, back then in my career, it was probably a combination of a lot of those things, uh, of which you realize now at at this point in my life that not all of them were really priorities uh, or that uh, important. But for me, it was really getting that performance rating at the end of the year that was the biggest motivator. Uh, For me, knowing that you had those goals, knowing what they looked like, and then just being able, again, going back to the baseball analogy, knowing that you're able to knock those out of the park because you have 
captured them. You know what they look like. Mm-hmm. I thank you for keeping the baseball theme. We're going to keep, let's try to put in at least a couple more. I'm going to try to think of some too. I'm sure Kelly's sitting there going, Oh my God, I can't What's the, the sports constantly. Um, but I, I love it, Cal. We could talk about, although a side thing we should talk about when you said about band, competitive band, people in HR, Kelly Gunther will uh, cut a B uh, for her French horn first chair. Let's yeah. be real clear on how yeah. competitive she was at French horn. Yeah. Correct, very, Kelly? Very, quite competitive. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yes. Quite Where's competitive. the musical backdrop? It would just add a whole different layer. That, that's. I know. <laughs> there should be like a French horn being piped in as we speak, <gasps> as we're doing this. But we, you know. so, well, maybe that should be our theme music, Kelly, is a French horn. Kelly ripping on that French horn. I don't know. I'm sure we're you don't say ripping on a French horn. <laughs> no, you really don't. You really don't, actually. I like I like our theme music as it is. And I you don't want to involve me with any major league baseball references because I would completely destroy it. Uh so I'll leave you two to those references. <laughs> <laughs> well, I consistently embarrass my son with uh football references. And then once in a while he'll say, Oh, that's a good one, mom. You actually know something. Oh, thanks. Anyway, talk about not humble. Anyway, uh, so John, take us to 2008 now. So here you are, you have the goal orientation, you have humility, and in 2008, you have the courage and slight craziness to say during the recession, I'm going to start my own business. What made you do that in 2008? I know it took courage, but what kind of went through your mind? Unpack that a bit for us. I still vividly recall, and um, you know, not to call it any names, but uh, as you probably recall, Carrie, at that point in time, I was one of the people uh, helping manage part of the integration between Miller and Coors. And so we were traveling six months continuously as a part of that integration effort. And when you're on a plane that often and you're in that many meeting rooms and hotel rooms, obviously it's a lot of hard work. And it's one of which that, as I share with people, was probably professionally one of the most impactful parts of my career, but also personally, the most gut-wrenching because you know as a byproduct of that exercise, that integration work that you're doing, the cost commitment that you have, that there's going to be reductions. You've got duplication of headcount and you know that it's going to impact good people. And uh, so that I realized severance packages, I had done enough of those over my career But realistically, it was almost an epiphany on a flight out to Los Angeles where uh, I was catching up on emails, probably on the old BlackBerry at that point in time. And I I realized that all of these invoices that are coming out of my budget for for partnership, and we had a great talent acquisition team that uh, we had built a centralized model for. So it was more of a, a low volume based recruitment model that we put in at Miller Brewing. And now with the new Molson or Miller Coors at that point in time, we knew that that strategy was going to change and that uh, a lot of those things that we had in place were probably going to be adjusted. But all of the agencies that I had partnered with, I should say all, a lot, the majority that I had partnered with, my team on contingent searches, myself on retained searches, so few of them took the time to really understand our needs. Basically, they would take a job description and just blast resumes to every member of my my team and I and hope that one of them would stick as a part of that budgetary spend. And I, I had this reflection over the course of my career of how often that happened. And it exceeded 90% of the time. Uh, so at that point, I just became so really 
disenchanted with that entire industry and felt that there's a better way. There's, there's a relationship-centric way that these firms should be approaching. Get to know the people, get to know the leaders, get to know the culture, the fabric of the organization. Not just that respective role, but what is going to dictate somebody coming in and being successful 30, 60, 180 days in, as well as being able to build a career within that respective organization from that role. Uh, So at that point in time, I started putting pen to paper a little bit and kind of the cocktail napkin idea, if you will. And um, ultimately, it just continued to gain steam. And uh, at some point towards the end of that integration exercise, I realized it was time. Now, that said, I'm certainly not going to take all the credits as my, my, my father and my grandfather were both entrepreneurs as well. Uh, and they had a science laboratory equipment company for which I could never really embrace. So uh, the, the recruitment side of things was really much more aligned to my background, my experience, my skill set, and just feeling that there had to be, there was a better way to do it than what I was experiencing on the receiving end. Hmm. John, I, I think what's so powerful about how you figured it out by the way, coming to LA, all great things happen when you're on your way to LA, <laughs> considering Kelly and I moved here. Uh, but what's so wonderful about what you said, and I think for, for people to really hear it, I want to make a point of it, is you f- knew there was a problem. That's how you started your own business. That's how you figured it out. You saw it as there's got to be a better way to do this. There's got to be a better way. And maybe other people kind of feel it, but I'm going to do something about it. And I think this is how all these businesses start, right? They're solving a problem. They see something of there's a better thing to do. There's a better way to do it. And for you to have to, not only did you have courage, but you had the insight to see what um, needed to be done. And then you put, like you said, pen to paper and figured out how to make it work. And I, I really appreciate that problem solving and then doing something about it because lots of people could complain. You could have sat back, John, and took an easy paycheck at a corporation and just complained about it. You could have done that, right? Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, really? I mean, quite honestly, and then I think a lot of people do that. And, you know, as we get into they the do. conversation here a little they bit do. deeper, the last thing that, and I hear from so many people that they're kind of in this safe place, this safe mode, that are they where they want to be? More often than not, the answer is no. So uh, if you recognize a gap, obviously pursue it. Pursue a way to impact it, to change it, whether that's internally or something, sometimes, uh, as in my case, externally. Yeah, I think that's a perfect segue then to what are some of the actions? We've already talked about a few, but what are some of those actions that you would recommend to listeners take to help them recharge their lives? And I know that we, boy, a couple of things that are really probably resonating and being repeated, but in addition to the baseball theme, which you can never get enough of, Kelly, but uh, <laughs> really, be Hit courageous. Hit it out of the park, John. Get a thousand batting average. Slide right <laughs> into home. You can do it, John. Okay. That's enough. As I step up the plates, one more. Um, you know, <laughs> be courageous enough to pursue what you love. And, mm. you know, as we were just touching on, and, and maybe that was obviously the segue to the question, but realistically speaking, don't just be, don't just go into a Groundhog Day scenario and go into that eight to five or whatever that profession is. And that applies to your personal life too. So be courageous enough to pursue what you love, whether that's professionally or personally. And 
boy, one other thing that that I'd like to share is be exemplary. And, you know, I think that a lot of times people probably take that to be, well, be the best. Uh, that certainly you can strive to be the best. But from that context, exemplary, model the right behaviors, do the right thing, uh, be a steward, especially as an HR professional, yes. be a steward of culture, a steward of environment, of character, be an upstanding model representation. One of the things that uh, when I work with HR executives, we always talk about bringing in other members of that HR team, whether it's a number one seat or any member, to be a brand ambassador for the organization. And don't just sit in that glass office or in the home office in 2020 and beyond. But whatever you can do, be a steward of that, that culture, the environment, and make sure that you're raising the bar on things like employment, brand, and culture. That will make you so much happier. And finally, that, that passion for improving, passion for, for learning, ask questions, admit mistakes. If, if you're a, a 30, 40-year veteran or you're somebody who is an intern, don't be afraid to always learn. Get better. And as I share with my team, and boy, they'd be the first one to tell you that I have a million things that I need to work on and improve. Um, but being able to be receptive to those ideas and uh, really receptive to continuous learning. Ask questions of everybody uh, to help better yourself personally and professionally. John Hagenow, that not only is that great advice, but delivered with the radio voice. Come on now. And <laughs> the radio voice and the, the radio, voice radio as well. Right. Really helped it. You could have been an announcer for the Milwaukee Brewers. Milwaukee Brewers, give them a call. Uh, but the, I want to say, cause I know Kelly's gonna, uh, love this one as well is what you said is just don't be, don't have it be groundhog day for you. Mm -hmm. That really spoke. I don't know, Cal, what do you think about, what do you think about that groundhog day? Absolutely. I, I was thinking as you were talking about the reason why you left and decided to, to pursue your own, your own, um, company is could you have stayed? At GE, sure. You could have stayed at the company. You could have, you know, continued to work. You could have, you know, done and, and maybe grown, maybe gotten a promotion here and there. But would you have been happy? You know, would you have been able to grow in ways that you wanted to grow? Um, be mentored in ways that you wanted to be mentored? Probably not. Um, and what even though it is a gigantic leap, as Carrie and I know, starting your own business, it is so worthwhile because you really are learning and challenging and pushing yourself every single day. And you answer to yourself. You answer to, I mean, you have a team that supports you. Um, you are all in on choosing who is part of your, your environment and your culture and your organization. Uh, and having to be the person where you answer to yourself, you answer to maybe your employees. Um, is a wonderful thing. So yeah, you could have gone the quote unquote safer route and stayed with your organization, but that would that have been as fulfilling for you? Likely no. And so there is something to be said for taking a leap and trusting yourself enough to know, John, that as you did, that you are exactly what you described. Courageous. You are exemplary because we know you are someone who holds um, yourself to an incredibly high standard um, in conversations we have with you always. We always leave feeling inspired in talking to you because you have such a high standard for excellence in the work that you do. 
and every conversation you're 100% focused on the people that you're talking to. So we always feel very um, welcome and when we're talking and as I'm sure, you know, Carrie and I are feeling today. And you also have a passion truly for learning. You're always interested in what are the latest things going on? How can I get better? How can I improve? You're a top 10 recruiter in the country. So you didn't get that way because you were lazy. You didn't get that way because you didn't just, you decided to just, you know, watch Netflix for an entire week and do nothing. You decided that you were going to be the best and be um, a role model for everyone in the recruiting and TA world. So it's, it's just your incredible source of inspiration. And we're just so grateful that uh, you took the time to, to be in our podcast. We're, we're just so thrilled that you um, were able to spend time with us today. You're, you're both far too kind. So thank you so much for the kind words. It's uh, a lot of work to do to be the best. We've got a, a lot of work to do to get there, right? So, but it's part of the fun when you go into, whether it's business ownership, into a career, into whatever you want to do. And again, it goes back to not just professionally, but also personally, mm-hmm. uh, that you, you just can't be afraid to, to work hard and to ask a lot of questions and learn. And that's kind of what gets you to hopefully that, that elevated status and, uh, Hopefully, at some point, we'll find a way to get closer to that that bar of being the best. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I do love that you have the entrepreneurial spirit based on your father. And did you say your grandfather as well? My grandfather as well. Yes. Oh. Did they offer you support and guidance? Did you ask them questions as you were going through the process? Probably to the point of nausea. Um, really? Okay. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> you know, to, to, to that extent... And I think that before, and I'm sure it probably applies to each of you as well, you recognize a gap, an opportunity, you want to pursue it. And then you put pen to paper and you realize, boy, if I'm going to go down this path, I have a lot of things that I need to learn. Mm -hmm. And uh, real quickly here, one other thing that I'd like to add is one one of the heads of the legal team that we were partnering with at that point in time. Uh, handed me a book on one of our flights. This is after it, it came out internally to our very small integration team that I was going to be exiting the organization. Um, and he gave me a book, The Reason Why 93% of Small Businesses Fail. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at him and kind of mumbling and saying, you know, it's been really great these last six months now that you know I'm leaving. Thanks for this book, jerk. Like 93% <laughs> yeah, exactly. of small business. Thanks uh, for the support. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly right. Right. But, you know, realistically, the context was that if you, you you make the best apple pies, if you go into business to make apple pies, you only spend 10, 20% of your time making those apple pies. That there's a lot of other variables. And the reason that you learn those things is through asking a lot of questions, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I mean, clearly you're, you're the, you know, um, seven percent that obviously is successful so you obviously did not meet that threshold of the 93 percent of small businesses that fail because you've been very successful after 12 years you've done something right john and uh for anyone who is interested in connecting with john we highly recommend that you do so um you can link in with john at john hagenow um, twitter at fusion recruiter and I will include all those links in the show notes so that you have easy access to connect with John. He is obviously a great source of inspiration, um, and we highly recommend that you do connect with him. Again, thank you, John, so much for sharing your story, for sharing your your candid display of courage, um, humility, uh, goal orientation, being exemplary. Um, you have all of the qualities and then some. So thank you again for, for taking the time to be on our podcast today. We really appreciate you. Uh, thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to the Recharge Your Life podcast. Please sign up for our newsletter at abracigroup.com and follow us on social media. You can find us on LinkedIn at Abrachi Group, Instagram at Warriors of HR, and Twitter at Warriors underscore HR. Remember to subscribe to our podcast, leave a review, and please tell a friend. And be sure to drop us a note on how you are recharging your life. We can't wait to hear from you.